If work is love made visible, if you love the work you do, you never work a day in your life. And thankfully, at this current juncture of my life, I have a lot of people where interacting with them, investing in them, is a worthwhile version of work, where I do what I love. back to a new episode of the Love Made Visible podcast. I'm Sophia, and for this episode, I had the incredible opportunity to talk to Ryan McMasters. I met Ryan at Right About Now a few years ago, and apart from being one of the most talented writers and poets that I've ever met, he's just genuinely a really sweet person which made this interview just a lot of fun to do. It was really great getting a chance to talk to him again. I I hadn't seen him since before everything shut down. And one of the things that I loved about this interview was just how much he focused on connecting work with the relationships that we build and grow with the people around us. Obviously, whenever I ask my interviewees these questions, there's no right or wrong way to answer them, but I just found his answers to be so unique and just really just so full of love and care and intention, and I just, I love that about our conversations. And so let's jump right into my interview with Ryan McMasters. Here we go. Ryan McMasters. Hello, Sophia. <laughs> Long time no see. Thank you. Know, you. Uh, yeah, so happy to be here. <laughs> yeah. This <laughs> this weather. Oh my. <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> it is currently what, like 60 50? De- 50. It is. It is 50 degrees mm. in November in Houston. <laughs> and yesterday it was 80. I know. <laughs> Houston is so, a fickle bitch. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for it to just kind of spike again tomorrow, and I'm like, oh. I don't. I don't want the sinusoidal like <laughs> temperature difference. I know. I wanted to make a decision. <laughs> Houston is too Libra energy for me, like, and I'm a Libra. I just I want somebody. Oh, no. I want somebody to make a decision and keep it. So what is what does Houston have to be to be like compatible with a Libra? <laughs> oh, I mean like I've lived in Pasadena slash Houston basically all my life Ooh. outside of college, and I was in College Station. That's not too different. Okay, but like a strong sixty-five, but like during its appropriate months, I just want yeah. I just wanted to stop being rebellious, <laughs> like. I want the month and the temperature to make to sense. Be, yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's like every season is a theme party, and Houston <laughs> is in its selfish era, and it doesn't give a fuck what <laughs> we, as the people that inhabit it, 
care. Like it just missed memo. Yeah, every or, time. Or, or it looks at the memo. <laughs> you see it is red, and it's just like <laughs> I'm choosing not eh. to. I'm not. I'm choosing not to take this into consideration. <laughs> and it's just like, okay, cool. I will wear my hoodie in 80 degree weather. Like, or my raincoat. Thankfully, I'm like this new job is just like go from car to tiny little box <laughs> that's already cold. Right. Because, like, because proteins and DNA denature. <laughs> it's too hot, so yeah. <laughs> we keep it at a we keep it at a smooth seventy. But no. like, scrubs aren't good insulators. No, <laughs> not unless you want to go for like the thermal underneath it. In which case, you'll probably like be Burn sweating up. the rest yeah. of the day. <laughs> yeah, I, so. I don't. I like a separation of church and state metaphorically in regards to like I want to sweat when I want to sweat. So That's like fair. if I go to a gym, let's sweat that salt out. But like at work, it's a sit down job. Yeah. Not really interested in sweating there. Just just sitting. <laughs> sitting <Yeah>. and sweating. <laughs> uh, that, I I get it. <laughs> It would it would it would feel like a read on my life. <laughs> just like I'm sitting, doing nothing, yet I'm sopping in sweat. <laughs> I need to get my life together. Like, I'm sorry for all the meandering. No, um, you're totally fine. <laughs> we're here to do. <laughs> we're here to accomplish something. <laughs> we're here to be excited about poetry. We are excited. <laughs> I'm excited. I, I so, believe you. I know. It's, <laughs> you made it's a podcast. It's totally fine. <laughs> it's totally fine. Actually, you, you answered my like first two questions oh, without no. me asking me. <laughs> so I'm like, dude, We're the this same guy came to work. Like, we're we, we did. Look at us. I was like, what, are, what, what, were, what were the questions? Just so was, I could, if I could add context. <laughs> so I was going to ask, um, where were you born and where you grew up? Bet. And yeah. then uh, what kind of work do you do? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I currently work at an OBGYN care center. Okay. So what does a typical day of work look like for you? I am in the training stages. So writing down a lot of notes in different colors so I can separate the days. Oh my God, yes. Um, Looking over those notes, uh, my boss is increasingly like putting more responsibility on my plate, rising to the challenge. And while I'm doing these runs they're giving me more information um to hone these crafts accordingly i've only been there for like two and a half weeks okay so i mean like i'm really proud of myself for my retention thus far yeah (laughs) but um yeah whenever i go to overnights it'll be like 70 to 85 percent by myself depending on the Mm. workload of that day okay and they expect me to do like two PCR runs, and right now, that is feasible. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, I did like a PCR run from start to finish, like basically by myself with a couple up updrafts whenever I had a little bit of confusion. Mm. But I was really proud of myself, and it passed. So we're out here. Nice. So, <laughs> we did it. Yeah, let's go. Uh, um, I would be lying if I said I knew what a PCR. So, I'm sorry. Um, Polymerase chain reaction. Okay. So, basically, we get samples. We extract 
the DNA, we fortify and elute that DNA to have like a more concentrated product. And then from there, we put it on a plate for the freezer. Mm. And then we see what kinds of tests that they need done. Not to dumb it down, but to simplify. <laughs> Essentially, they give us samples. They tell us what kinds of tests they need run. Okay. We have different kinds of kits um, and materials to aliquot those samples accordingly. We put them in a different machine. It runs the test, and then somebody else analyzes the results Ooh. of those tests. Okay. And you see if their tests are positive or negative for the certain bacteria that um, is in the positive control that okay. um, we have next to those patient samples. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. That's awesome. Was there anything in particular that, like, kind of led you down... Rent. (laughs) Hey! That's a... (laughs) Say no more. That is is life. Um, (laughs) My last job loved it. Uh, It was just COVID PCR. Mm. So it had its moment. And then it had its recession. And I had a contract there for six months, but then it elongated to ten. And then they let us know, like, two weeks out, your contract has ended, thank you for doing what you did, blah, 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 activated, you, I activated, used the resources while I could, and then... I had a span of time where I was applying to jobs, getting mm. unemployment because any contract is still like letting go. It's not quitting. So I was able to get some money, which yeah. buoyed and, uh, abracadabra, Alkazam, new job. Like <laughs> yeah. three months later, very boring <laughs> magic trick. Yeah. Hey, it's a, you know, um, we're fortunate enough, right? Especially, yeah. especially like the beginning months of the pandemic. Like, holy shit! Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I'm glad you. I'm glad you pulled through. Okay, I appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, do you remember as a kid what you wanted to be when you grew up? Because just for people who don't know you, like, uh, on top of this, you are a poet. You're a writer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we're going to get there. (laughs) There's no way around that. (laughs) Stringing it. Got the the pieces. Um, I was mostly a people pleaser. So I was Mm. like, what did people, what do people want of me? And then, like, my dad had a strong science background, but Mm. his stuff was space flight um he was in the air force for multiple years like a decade plus i don't want to give a specific and be wrong so it was like (laughs) i think it was 16 but that's not an absolute quote yeah (laughs) 16 with a question mark and then (laughs) he eventually got a job at the united space alliance uh and he worked there for so many years i think like 20 to 25 and then science was always in my sphere of influence. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of just wanted it. I wanted to make it my own. Mm-hmm. And then I went to college, and I started out in biology because that was general enough. And I had a really good AP biology teacher, so that definitely steered me in a direction. Yeah, yeah. And 
I could be like, I just wanted to make a difference. And that's not wrong. But like, <laughs> I pivoted to microbiology out of like survival instinct and saving money because <laughs> like I did not want to do anatomy, anatomy and physiology. Oh my God. Yeah. No. <laughs> I didn't want to deal with the dead cats. And if I pivoted to micro, I didn't lose any credits. Mm, so I was yeah. like, even though I didn't have a job during college in my brain, it was like, I'm saving my dad money by having like <laughs> one free major change. Yeah. And so I did that. And then I loved it. Like, microbiology to me is so interesting. Yeah, yeah. Like, a lot of people are... It's easy for them to see the big picture and string everything along. That is not necessarily my skill set. I'm very good at, like, leaning into a subject and understanding and appreciating, like, the niche aspect of that. Yeah, yeah. And I I guess in a roundabout way, that is something that I apply to my writing as well. Mm-hmm. Also, like, once I finished college, my brain wasn't focused on... Um, my brain wasn't focused on completing an assignment, finishing a project. Yeah. Um, I learned that personality was a choice in college Mm -hmm. but I learned and invested time in passions after college Mm -hmm. yeah so it's like whenever my parents were like school is your job I (laughs) I tried to treat it as such and that was my primary focus Mm -hmm. but after school was done it was just like oh now I'm on, now my brain's on vacation and yeah. it's just like <laughs> not preoccupied with deadlines mm-hmm. and after college my brain started to wander and then eventually like words strung together and I started yeah. writing those things down and then poetry started to happen and yeah. then I had I had a friend that was in poetry that I met because we were in the same groomsmen party. Oh. <laughs> His name is Bill Moran. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, <laughs> Good so ghost I, Bill. yeah, I met Good Ghost Bill <clears throat> initially because we were in the same groom party. Mm-hmm. And then I had a friend named James McDaniel. He's like a good boy with a twist. Like, <laughs> like he's still a Christian, but he has like. <clears throat> sly motivations like, oh, I see. <laughs> like I wrote and he was like hey do you want to go with me to a place and <laughs> it's going to be with some of my friends and then I brought my material and then I saw Good Ghost Bill there and like that's that's the origin story of like yeah me having a mainstay in Revolutions Bar and in Brian mm. for like a good four or five years. Yeah, yeah. Nice. And then from there, like, you just kind of branched out, because I... Yeah. I met you at right about now. Yes. And then, yeah. (laughs) That's true. So, I knew Amir because he was also, like, the seed scatterer Mm -hmm. of, like, 
Texas poetry. Yes, yes. I met him because he was the one of the pioneers for uh, the Brian. Mike Check. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I knew him from Mike Check, in part because of Good Ghost Bill, mm. and then after I eventually pivoted back to Pasadena and lived with my parents for a while I got back into poetry and by that time right about now had started gaining mm. a little traction yeah, yeah but I was still relatively on the ground floor yeah and then things blossomed accordingly from there that's so awesome so you mentioned earlier that like kind of the way you approach things is I loved your your analogy of like microbiology because I do remember micro being fun too. I had I had to take it a couple years ago. It was it was not easy, but it was it was fun. Right. Like surprisingly, um, <laughs> I, I well. would take it. I would take it like again, just as long as it's not anatomy and physio. Holy shit, <laughs> I will take micro over and over again. But <laughs> right. yeah. but yeah, I I love that you you focus more on like mainly. Like, not always like the building blocks but kind of right like right. kind of the the things that make so like um as far as it like translating into your poetry into your like writing and stuff what do right, you right. typically like what do i typically on? write about yeah um recently like gay shit <laughs> <laughs> um grief mm -hmm. after being in poetry for almost, if not a complete decade of my life, I've slowly figured out, like, oh, my writing style typically has this three-tier system of sorts, or I, I've recognized, like, the momentum and the dips and troughs and, like, tops of it all. Mm -hmm. And, I, like, at this point in my life, whenever I'm actually inspired... I pivot more to, like, different forms or, like, trying to access humility and ask people if they can send me a prompt or something. Mm -hmm. Before that, it was processing my sexuality, mm -hmm. where my place in the gay community was, if I wanted that. Mm -hmm. I first went into poetry because I was a good little Christian boy and it was like a access point for testimonials or something while still being like honest and as I've as I've grown and drifted from place to place it's just like writing has helped me come to the brittle brutality of like everybody's expendable mm. and it's like it's not my intention to be bleak but it's just like Whenever I was in church, there were stipulations that I had to follow, but then it compromised like who I could be completely. And a lot of a lot of people that, from my personal experience, <laughs> in regards to aspects and tenets of Jesus, people are really good at implementing the way and the life, but they're not really good with the truth. And mm. I think yeah. for I think for poets of 
any kind, that's the main focus. And I mean, like, I've, I've definitely been inspired by Christianity, and I've definitely learned lessons on what not to be because of my background in Christianity. And I mean, like, I'm still greatly influenced by it because now I'm trudging tenderly into, like, talking about family. Yeah. And I can't talk about family without talking about religion. Mm, right. Um, because a lot of my family is still focused on living a religious life. And to them, that's commendable. But with me, it's like the Hayes code switching of, like, how much are you capable of loving me if you're actively voting against my interests? Mm, yeah, yeah. And my lifestyle yeah and I mean poetry is a boundary like you're simultaneously speaking your deepest truth but you're actively physically separated from people Mm. so it's like in some ways poetry was one of the first places I learned what healthy boundaries had the possibility of being Mm, okay because Christianity sometimes is kind of like now that people have learned their worth at jobs partially because of the pandemic like oh we can be remote and we can still get turnover and productivity completed Mm -hmm. like now that we have this precedent we're not going back and I think like like, I see all these Instagram reels for, like, job prospects. And mm. they say, like, something that you need to look out for is if a company says we're a family. <laughs> and it's, like, for a lot of people, Christianity or the, the Christian steps of it all, that's the closest thing that they have to a chosen family. Mm. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, poetry is similar to that, but, like, in Christianity, you're talking about things and vagaries. You're trying to show that you're trying to be held accountable. You're showing that you are being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You're showing that you're walking the walk. Mm-hmm. But the tendency and the likelihood that you're being, like, full force, reckless, abandoned, like, prodigal in your ability to emotionally extend Mm -hmm. I don't see that as often Mm. in poetry you're literally incentivized to do so Mm. like yeah yeah and like because I've spent a majority of my formative life on either side Mm -hmm. I've become a jaded queen in both (laughs) and it's just like like one side is too fake And one side is, like, painful mercenary. And I've just accepted that I've I've become, like, the old head. I'm still a part of the community, Mm -hmm. but it's through invite only. Oh. (laughs) That's, yeah. I mean, like, I'm still accessible, Mm -hmm. but it's... I'm very much like a vampire in the sense that, like, (laughs) I'm not going anywhere until I get, like, an actual invitation. (laughs) Um, 
now that I have my own apartment, like, yeah. fucking love it there. <laughs> like, the, <laughs> like, through the mind of, like, economy, the more time I spend there, the more money I get out it's, of it. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I pay to live there, so why would I go to You can make, like, a, a graph of it yeah. going on. <laughs> Yeah, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this old ass, I'm this old asshole where it's just like, I have this very strict boundary. I am willing to go out of my apartment one time a day and I can do multiple things through that day. Mm -hmm. But once I return to the apartment, I'm not leaving. I, I totally get that. Okay, cool. cool. Like finally someone put it into words because I was like... Ah, I'm already here. I literally just walked through the door, haven't even put my stuff down, but no way in hell I'm going back out. (laughs) Right. If you talked to me 10 minutes ago and I was still in the car, I would still be mad, but I haven't entered my domicile yet. So you still have a shot. I'll get over it, you know? Right. It's like, if you want to get crunk, turn, like, shitty titty litty, and like... I'm not in my sweatpants and comfy socks. You have a shot. Because I, I'm grown. I have alcohol at my house. I can take a shot yes, in my apartment. I don't need to leave the house. It's like, have I, don't have to, I don't have to waste gas to be an alcoholic. Thank like, you. I don't, like, <laughs> because I'm what? An adult that knows money economy. <laughs> like, Amen. <laughs> That's a freaking awesome. <laughs> Just introvert handbook. What like what other things do I write about? Like for a good part, like in maybe years five through seven, I was writing about like my hesitancies of love because I was just like I hadn't really fully accepted myself. I like <laughs> peel back the curtain. I wasn't like doing the fun gay shit until I was like twenty eight. Like I'm I'm a one of those Jerusalem blossoms. Like I I bloom like one time after like twenty eight years of germination, and then I just like uh, wilt right, and, get, and, and, and dip. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, like Christianity form so much of my life because I was just like I was trying to be the good boy but then like for a long time I didn't accept the fact that like having a virginity story as a guy didn't mean that much in the Christian community it was mostly about suppressing the sexuality of women Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or that is what I have learned from my specific experience I would I would be in testimonial groups and these guys would be like they would have this hallowed tone where like yeah I'd did a lot of girls whenever I was like before Christ and it was just like so you had the opportunity to have fun sin time and now you've had your fill and now you can love Jesus and then I was like I've been with I've been with the J man for like all these years and I've been doing everything right and it doesn't feel like it's ever gonna be enough My crisis of belief started whenever, like, my friend Christian from Mike Check took his own life. I'm so sorry. It, it 
rocked our community. Mm. He was he was a fixture. He was kind and offset mm-hmm. and had a very specific writing style that can't really be duplicated. Mm-hmm. He was a good person and he deserved to be remembered and I think I think it was just like the level of irony for me that hit different. Yeah. Like a guy named Christian took his own life. It was it was a lot. It was painful. Yeah. Like yeah. my my heart fucking fractured. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. it was a lot. Yeah. And yeah. it was like it was when worlds collide. Mm. And I really like compartmentalizing. Yeah. Because it's like if one thing taints something, then it taints everything. Mm-hmm. And yeah. his his life was a blooming, and then like the after effects was a tainting. And I needed to take a break from poetry for a while. Mm-hmm. I was getting over that, and then eventually I got back into poetry, and that's whenever Right About Now happened. Mm-hmm. And then it gave me a purpose again, but I needed, I needed a break. It's kind of like weaning yourself off caffeine. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes yeah. you need to take a break from it to truly appreciate what it can do to invigorate and like bring a lightning bolt in you again. Yeah. And right about now, and that generation of that community did that for me. Yeah. So I'll I'll forever be thankful for. The right about now originators and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, they're doing amazing work. They've they been, ha- they've they, been doing. They have work. become a fixture. Yeah, in yeah. Houston, yeah. and I'm glad that they are growing. Yeah. I'm just kind of putting myself. It's not. It's not hospice. It's not. It's not stasis. It. I kind of feel like I'm in. I feel like I'm a Pokemon in Nurse Joy's nursery. <laughs> and I'm still still growing. Mm-hmm. But I'm trying to learn to take care of myself. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's like cradled by Christianity and then supported by family. Mm. And then college money was paid for. Thankfully, I don't have debt. But now that I don't have people financially helping me as much, like, I have to find ways to take care of myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I joke, like, I'm in my... I've been a people pleaser for so long, and I'm in my selfish villain era, but it's just, like... I've, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Like, the only villain I'm willing to be is, like, a returner of energy... And because I have a good view of myself now, partly because of the freedom-infused opportunities I've had from poetry, from Mike Check, from Right About Now, I know I got my shit, and I know that I am the shit. So it's just like, <laughs> yes. if people fuck me over, the best revenge I can do to them is not be in their life. Mm, yeah. And it's... And Don't I'm, even give them, like, the time or the energy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like, in a, in a continuous, in a, in a through line, just like I won't 
waste gas <laughs> and, and, unless I'm unless I'm getting paid. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. Or I'm getting like some sort of compensation for it. I'm not willing to invest my time into someone that would not invest time in me. Mm. Like that was a problem in the first place. So if I hear that they did something bad, I might chuckle, but I'll still mind my business. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like whenever you realize that like poetry is pivotal and necessary but it doesn't have all the answers mm. you have to accept that like the work is on you writing about your pain is cathartic but if you don't process the pain mm. it's not going to be better than that and partially because of the pandemic partially because I was dealing with the loss of my father throughout the pandemic mm. I had to focus on what I needed for healing mm -hmm. because like just like in hospital papers like you can process something forever but if you don't let it go it stays with you yeah it's just sitting there and eventually the papers are going to pile up and that's not healthy and honestly just looking at that pile is an act of stress <laughs> yes so I am I am still writing because poetry was majorly a processing tool for me mm. and it's not that I'm not processing things healthily now it's more like I have less to process which is a good problem is, to have right yeah that means you're like you're kind of making a dent right right there is less paper in kind my pile of, yeah um and something that I learned from the iconic the unassailable the one that only Ebony Stewart oh my god if you were I'd enjoy it Houston right if you, if you are not writing you need to be reading mm. And I've been trying to find different ways of reading, like different ways of consuming. And I'm not like a mainstay at this place, but there's like a Houston queer book club that I've been to a couple times. And shout out to Abby or Abigail Yeso. Um, I went there one night with my friend Daphne Sanchez and mm. Omer. Mm. And I went into like a hyper fixation rant of um, horror movies and horror culture. Yeah. And we just like straight vibed for 40 minutes. And it was, <laughs> it was kismet. It was, <laughs> it was warmth. It was just like knowledge being exchanged. Mm -hmm. I've learned and discovered different ways or like different things to be excited about similar to microbiology like I'm really good at fixating on one thing mm. because if I go between two things I feel like I'm not giving enough to either of them and then I have mm. like an inadequacy complex but right. then the problem is these are free time experiences so why should I have to feel guilt on something that is completely on my own time Yeah, yeah. and that's something that I've had to talk myself down on multiple occasions <laughs> like I shouldn't have to feel guilt when mm -hmm. experiencing healthy pleasure exactly exactly and I mean horror 
is something that I've loved for years now. That's also something that I've written about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at one point, I tried to write a book about that, and it just... It's still it's still on the burner, but it's... <laughs> we're here for it whenever whenever it's... <laughs> right. <laughs> and then it's just like I see other people writing horror and I see other people writing about their dead dads and it's just like do I have anything different to say? Mm. Cuz it it's not that I don't want to be original. That is why I write. That's why I search and scour for different word choices different forms I don't know how successful I am at it but like I'm trying to bushwhack against like this huge overgrowth of cliche and cliche has its moment I'm not trying to fully discredit cliche because cliche has allegiance because it still has relevance but I want I want people to think differently. I want people to like hear new references that are enticing enough for them to research on their own time. Mm-hmm. I want I want to be so specific that like even if I get zeros across the board during a seldom slam that I actually <laughs> like participate in. Yeah. yeah. I connect with like one person. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not a public poet. Like I'm not I'm not a catch-all person. Mm-hmm. Whenever I didn't know how to be proud of myself, I was focused on making the poets that I thought of as unattainable, untouchable, to send a shiver down their spine. Mm, mm -hmm. Um, Like, in life, in relationship, I am the walking advertisement of tell me I'm a good boy. And whenever I was... Whenever I was growing up in Slam, especially in Right About Now, like, that generation was killing it. Mm-hmm. Like, whenever Human Wind or Sam Sachs, like, the few queer male representations that I saw initially, whenever they would like my Instagram post or whenever they said that they liked my material, I was just, like, metaphorically quivering. And then after they left, potentially literally quivering and I guess now that I'm old enough and I have like a backlog of material and my writing has grown and augmented I hope I can be that person to somebody yeah of course like if I can be a representation of someone who's been like spiritually cauterized (laughs) or if I've been like a representation of queer male softness or queer neurodivergence or a hot plus size slut like I I feel like I've done something purposeful yeah and for sure you you've already I I know you're already that person to to other people certainly are for me you said something earlier you said that like if you're able to connect with just one person that's enough for you and I think mm-hmm. like I'm I'm suddenly making all these connections with what you said about like microbiology because I'm the first thing that came to my mind was like um any DNA or like RNA sequence right one slight mutation and like you know what I mean it can change everything and I yeah. think that's <clears throat> that's kind of like what it is when we when we write and when we like share our work and stuff it's kind of like 
it doesn't have to be a big, a big ass like. Oh my god, like explosion a, in your face. Yeah, a, a huge DNA strand. Yeah. Sometimes you just need a fragment. Yeah. And it can augment with the right parameters. Yeah, yeah. It's like my roommate Omer is a gardener. They're learning to treat themselves well by gardening. Mm, mm-hmm. And it's been really cool to see both them and their garden grow. Like, I've lived with them for a year. And they've been doing the garden stuff. I have a horrible concept of time because, not because of COVID brain, but because of COVID time. <laughs> I'd say maybe like eight of those, like seven to eight of those months. That's whenever they started their mm. journey. Yeah. And that's been really cool. Yeah. To yeah. witness. And um, DNA replication is the closest I get to gardening. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. I, I get it. <laughs> And DNA replication also can be a pretty quality comment commentary on how poetry can mutate and how, mm. like, not necessarily a bad poet, but, like, a bad person can, like, mutate a community. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Sometimes microbiology helps me realize the difference that one cell in the body of earth can make so to speak Mm, mm -hmm. and they can be benign and they can do nothing they can metastasize and make a huge negative difference I I just want to be a good cell or at the very least honestly I'd rather be a bacteria (laughs) (laughs) Because if we're going to go down to brass tacks, like, every person's human cells, in comparison to, like, bacterial cells, mm-hmm. they're outnumbered by a factor of ten. We're more bacteria than we are human. Yeah. And I kind of like that. <laughs> because humans are trash. But bacteria have proven that they can fuck us up or make our lives better. Yeah. The resilient as fuck. It's all. I have seen more humanity from Muppets than I have from actual people. (laughs) And it's like, I've seen more kindness and thoughtfulness and like platonic intimacy from metaphors of humans than actual humans. Mm -hmm. And it's simultaneously hopeful but sad, where like the only time or oftentimes. The access points to humanity are through metaphor. Mm-hmm. Like if you see a person on the street, you see an inconvenience. But if you see like a metaphor of a human, it's just like, oh, I get it now. Yeah, yeah. Like the degrees of separation mm-hmm. that people require to give a shit. Yeah. Like eventually they get it, but it's also, what do you need the extra level? Yeah, yeah. Tell me the first thing that comes to mind when you hear the phrase, work is love made visible. Think of my friends. Think of Omer. <laughs> I think of my work friends from my most recent job. If we're going through that definition, It's about effort that doesn't fatigue you. Because then there's work, 
and then there's strain. And, I mean, doing the work in the community is this podcast. (laughs) Well, like, (laughs) you were kind enough to ask, and I was just like, I'm on the shelf, but I have the time. You were kind enough to say yes. Right. (laughs) And I was just like, why not be on a podcast? Like, why not enable my waning narcissism? Um... (laughs) What a delight. Um, <laughs> why not start my day fresh and then do other errands so I'm not going back to my house too <laughs> early? I don't try to buy my friends' relationships. I also don't have the expendable income where that would be overtly possible. <laughs> um, I am at a current point in my life where if I show up, like, that's the gift. Also... In part by living with Omer, like, understanding that social life isn't bad. It isn't an inconvenience. You just have to have the internal conversation of, like, who's worth the work. Mm-hmm. I was one of the I was one of the oldest workers at my most recent job. And there were some people that I just naturally gravitated to. And we would just take care of each other. Like, we would see how each other were doing. We would take food orders whenever the food would come in. We would check in with each other and see if we had water, if we took a, if we took a break. And, like, I took them under my wing. They became, like, my work kids. And still talk to them yeah. to this yeah. day. And it's just, like... Like, they gave me, like, on Father's Day, they gave me this gay dad cookie cake, and I <laughs> nearly fucking cried. Like, I, like, oh. I, like, I welled. Like, it was, it was very unexpected, and it was just like, oh, shit, this is real, though? Like, <laughs> and, like, as the years progress, whenever biological family can't, move past their past version of you sometimes you find more value and put more effort into chosen family and I still find iterations of work with biological family but I am at a point in my life where I am old enough to make the choice to invest in the people that unapologetically non-stipulatory love me and that is we're going for combo breaker here it's like (laughs) if work is love made visible if you love the work you do you never work a day in your life and with a lot of people thankfully at this current juncture of my life I have a lot of people where Interacting with them, investing in them, is a worthwhile version of work where I do what I love. That was amazing. Thank you so much for that. Well, I, I just have one more question. Sure. Is that okay? Okay. <laughs> um, advice you would give to your 20-year-old self? 20-year-old self? Yes. Have more fun in college. Yeah. Um, don't censor yourself. Um... You're doing great. 
get tutoring for um, molecular and cell biology. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Go to the gay bar in Bryan. Um, (laughs) Kiss some dudes. Do more than that with dudes. Hell yeah. Understand what healthy intimacy looks like so I don't have to deal with it now. Mm. Understand that family is just a word and it requires more than just the definition. Mm-hmm. A lot of people sit on the concept of family rather than doing the work of family. Mm. Yeah. And they think that they can rest on their laurels of being a part of your family whenever you didn't choose to be here. Mm. Understand that your parents are human and they're doing the best that they can. Also understand that your sisters are from a different generation and they're going to love you to the way that they can. But if it's not everything you want it to be, don't try to look for gratification in places that you have time tested that it's not going to be successful (laughs) sometimes persistence is just another version for false hope Mm. I've grown up long enough that it's pointless to try to change people and being in Christianity for so long people that weren't Christian in large part were turned into fix up projects and sometimes it worked because they were people were messes that wanted to be fixed so I commend them for finding closure to a past life or finding absolution where they couldn't find it elsewhere but sometimes presumption does more harm than it will ever do good and the sooner that you learn that the judgment that you experience and the judgment that you put on yourself as well as the judgment that you project onto others can start reducing quicker. Mm. Amen. So there's that. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That was it. That was so awesome. What a delight. McMasters. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. If you'd like to check out Ryan's poetry and other works, or if you just want to reach out to him, say hi, be friends, I will definitely be linking his social media handles in the show notes. And as always, please give this podcast a follow as well on Instagram at lovemadevisiblepod. Again, thank you so much for joining in on this episode, and I'll see you in the next one. Bye!